1: Welcome in to episode 223 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Source Say Podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning, remember. Their regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
0: I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you?
1: Oh, I am just peachy on this Sunday evening, a post-game edition of the Source Day Podcast. Haven't gotten to do many of these this year due to scheduling conflicts and travel and all of the uh, logistical issues that come with a normal Kentucky basketball season. So it feels good to finally get a uh, a fresh thoughts post-game show like we did uh, a lot quite a bit last season and really want to get into that groove, obviously. Uh, going to SEC play and all that good stuff, but uh, a big one, a huge one for Kentucky. Sean, Kentucky uh, finally gets that big game monkey off its back after two different chances uh, against Michigan State in the Champions Classic, and then at Gonzaga, Kentucky finally gets the job done over the pond or across the pond. Uh, defeats Michigan by final score seventy three to sixty nine. What were your uh, initial takeaways of the win?
0: Well, yeah, you're you're talking about post-game episodes. This is probably probably should be one of the most enjoyable ones that we've had this year because it's the first time that Kentucky's actually beaten somebody that we can put a name to and that matters and, and, and yes. feel good about it and and a team that, you know, has some talent and uh now I think the takeaway is obviously there's there's still a lot of stuff that this team has to clean up before I think that we can really pencil them in as one of those final weekend of the NCAA tournament teams i mean there's a lot of issues that they still got to clean up but they made plays when they had to they had they had guys make shots when they needed to you saw casein wallace emerge especially in the second half early to give kentucky its lead and then when they needed a big shot late he was a guy that delivered as well uh but i think the biggest thing is you, like you said in the opening you got the monkey off your back you beat a quality opponent something that you can at least now attach to your resume Had they lost that one, you're running out of opportunities. This is a team that was going to be going into SEC play at the end of this month and into January with maybe a win against UCLA, depending on how that game goes. It could have been one of those situations where you you didn't want to start saying, well, this might not be a tournament team, but had they gone 0 for 3 in those quality opportunities, you start bringing in the possibility of that talk if you miss out on resume builders.
1: Yeah, and I said on a, very, a couple of different platforms that this was a must-win for Kentucky. and I know uh, some Kentucky fans kind of took that and kind of scoffed at it, like we're eight games into the year. There's no such thing as a, a must-win this early, but it's a must-win in in terms of if you want this team to be the team that we kind of wanted, we're expecting it and kind of demanding it to be going into the year. Like I know there are some fans that are just kind of in this fantasy land, everything's going to work out just fine, but this is a – uh, I mean this is a very crucial season for for coach Kyle. This is a very <laughs> crucial season for the program to to get back to that last to to at least shoot past the first weekend at, at minimum in the NCAA tournament. This is a a massive massive opportunity with all of the pieces. I don't care how the season unfolds. I don't care if it's an opening night uh, opening weekend lo- loss again in the tournament. This team has the pieces to win it all and I'll you know I'll go Talk till I'm blue in the face, you know, trying to express that they have all the pieces they have, uh, you know, the opportunities, but it's about executing when it matters most. And that was what's so frustrating uh, out in Washington against Gonzaga and then in the Champions Classic, you needed this one.
0: You you did. And like when I was saying you start bringing in the conversation of, you know, is is this team going to be in danger of missing the NCAA tournament? Like it wouldn't have. We wouldn't have had that talk had they lost this one. But go back to those years that they did miss the NCAA tournament and what did December look like? There was nothing on the resume. So, like, they were starting to to get to a point. And, I mean, this isn't a win that you're sitting there and you're feeling like an instant Final Four contender, but it's a a win against a quality opponent, an opponent that makes runs in the NCAA tournament, has a really, really good player. And I think it's a, a start. It's something that you can now kind of look at, come back home, build on, that's not beating South Carolina State or Bellarmine or someone like that, No, you know, not discrediting any of those programs. But Kentucky had five wins going into this one, and we didn't feel good about any of them because what did it do to your resume? Absolutely nothing. This is one that you can finally chalk up and at least use to your advantage on Selection Sunday, and now you hope to go get another one here in a couple of weeks, and then you get into SEC play, and that's where they'll have the quad one opportunities and stuff start to pile up. But this was a step in the right direction. There's still a ton of stuff that we got to talk about that this team has to be better at and get better at. But they found a way to win a close game, one that they lost a couple of weeks ago when the game got tight in Indy. And then they weren't competitive in Spokane against Gonzaga. So I thought it was a step in the right direction to at least see them emerge victorious when Michigan made a couple of runs at them late. That Mm -hmm. game could have swung the other way when Kaysen got stripped in the layup, and then Toppin misses the jumper. It's down to four. Now it's down to two, but they found a way to win. I think that's the biggest takeaway.
1: And I think that I completely agree. That That's kind of uh, – I wrote that in my, my takeaways post after the game, that uh, it, it was kind of all of the demons that Kentucky has had throughout this season. You know, get, you know, they got down a little bit early, got down as much as six in the first half. You know, they could have used that opportunity to let go of the rope. They got up by as many as eight in the second half to start the second half. Uh, you let go of that and let them get back up by one a lot of times kentucky would let go of the rope in that situation you get back up by eight and then it slips back down to two a lot of ebbs and flows a lot of swings back and forth pendulum pendulum swings that kentucky had all of the chances in the world to screw it up you know the missed free throws the uh you know all the different chances that they had that it could have gone the other direction, but they held firm. The things that screwed them up and, and cost them in Indianapolis against uh, against Michigan State, they were able to execute on on both ends. I, I even uh, even defensively, uh, they were able to execute on both ends to to solidify this win. So you know, it's not pretty. It wasn't the the most gorgeous thing we've ever seen. Uh, Kentucky did do a very nice job offensively. Um, Shooting the ball very well, 46.6% from the field, 60% from three, although 10 of 20 at the free throw line is not acceptable, but uh, defensively did a lot of really good things. But overall, just something nice to hang on to, a, uh, a, a crucial victory in that regard. Sean, in particular, I thought Kaysen Wallace, uh, you mentioned earlier, his big shot there with a minute 11 to go. Absolute dagger there to to put it up five and and essentially put it out of reach for Kentucky and and, uh, seal the victory. Xavier Wheeler made some big plays uh, there midway through. the the, So basically to to start the second half, Kaysen put Kentucky up eight by himself, went on an eight-one run by himself, and then Xavier a little bit later, Uh, with Kentucky up two, went on a 6-0 run by himself and put Kentucky back up eight. So uh, second half really sparked by Kentucky's duo of guards. Uh, They both put up really impressive numbers. Um, Cason Wallace finishes with a team-high 14 points, five of eight shooting, four for four from three, eight rebounds, four offensive, Sean, which is uh, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, five assists, one block, one steal, and just two turnovers in 36 minutes. It's about as good a uh, good a performance as you can ask for. Uh, and then uh, Savir Wheeler, 11 points, four of 10 shooting, one for two from three, seven assists, three rebounds, one steal, and three turnovers in 37 minutes.
0: Yeah, the Cal definitely played those two a ton of minutes. Savir 37, Kason 36, and then Oscar, I believe, was next with 31 minutes. So you kind of see how I think this is going to go this year, that those two dudes are going to be the guys in the backcourt there playing a lot together. And Kaysen provided the the burst there early in the second half that I think ultimately was the separation that Kentucky needed that eventually won the game was that start to the second half. Like you, you fight and you fight and you fight. You mentioned that they got down six there early. I believe it was 17 to 11 uh, midway through the first half and a lot of stuff not going in their favor. They battled back, got a one-point lead going to the half and then the great start to the second half, him hitting big shots, the the runner late in the clock, the couple of threes there, the eight run of his own. I thought that was a big deal for the freshman, and then an even bigger deal to be able to come back. He got quiet there for a stretch offensively, then close it out with the big three late. But I wanted I want to talk a little bit about Savir, and I tweeted about it, and I didn't want people to. Think that I'm like crushing Sabir. Like I don't blame any of the things. A lot of the stuff that Sabir does offensively down the stretch, I don't blame on him. I kind of lay it at the fact that Kentucky gets so stagnant that I think a lot of guys look at Sabir and say, "I don't want this. You go get it." And then he's having to drive downhill and kind of just throw it up on the glass and try to make a play. And I think it gets Kentucky in trouble the last couple of years. What I was saying is, you got to give him credit for hitting some of the shots and some of the plays that he makes. I just don't think that's the recipe to get where you want to go. I think that that's going to lead to a frustrating spring again and us on this platform questioning what in the hell's going on. And I don't want to do that again. Like, I just, I want, I don't want to relive anything like last year. You give him credit for the plays that he made. He had to make those today. I just don't think it's setting him up to be successful long term. And I don't think it's setting this team up to be successful long term. Now, is he going to, is he going to have to do that from time? Yeah, things happen. Of course. But it feels like every time late in games, when it gets stagnant and they're trying to grind it out, it ends up with him trying to snake his way downhill into a bunch of traffic. And that, I just don't feel like that that's what Kentucky needs to be doing late in games. And I think a lot of that is their identity right now. I still think they're trying to figure out what they want to do and how they want to do it. But we also thought that they established an identity last year, and it still led to that being what it was late in games, in close games.
1: And I think that's where some of the frustration comes from, I guess, on my end, when you do bring up a criticism like that and you do go, you know, that's not a recipe for success. and Or you bring up the idea that Casein Wallace might be the guy that you kind of hand the keys over to as the season progresses as that initiator, not with three seconds left on the shot clock, somebody that you kind of say, let's start to get this thing rolling 15 17 seconds left in the shot clock, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I do see a, an argument for that, but shoot, I would see an argument for Savir being that guy if you get things rolling earlier and, and put those guys in, in better positions to set up shots on the outside, but yeah. to force him to create for himself and set up a, a Savir
0: needs to be the starter, not the finisher. Yeah, in my opinion, when it comes to late clock situations, like I said, you're going to have you're going to have situations where the ball is going to get stuck in his hands at times, and he's going to have to go make a play late in the clock but it feels like that they get into that situation a lot more often than what they should. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's always at like key moments of the game. Late first half, he made a play like that. And then late second half made a play like that. I do think that that's going to be Casein, And I do prefer Kaysen over in that role, just because of his size. He can rise over top of somebody and score. Savir, I, I still like him. I still think he brings a lot to this team when he's at his best and it worked out today. But how many times have we seen that not work out? And that's why you can't get false hope that that's going to be the way it's going to go every time. Like He's not going to bell him out and throw up a prayer late in the clock and hit a three. And I, I guess the other side of this, too, is there were a couple of out-of-bounds sets where there were four seconds or less on the shot clock or on the, on the clock. And the ball was going into Savir. One time he drove from right wing left and got to the free throw line there in the second half and then there was another one I can't remember how it how it unfolded but I'm thinking you know is that the option that you want to be throwing it to because that's putting him in a spot to where he's having to chuck up a shot that's not his part of his game that Kentucky keeps giving him the ball in those situations does that make sense mm-hmm. and and I just don't think that that's I just don't think that that's the game plan but you don't want him as the trigger man because he's smaller and they can kind of suffocating there throwing the balling bounds. I just – I don't know. I just feel like that a lot of times it's kind of a uh, – they look at him and, like, just go do something. Go make a play, get downhill, and do something. And I just don't think that that's going to be – I don't think that's going to get Kentucky where they want to go, Jack. I don't.
1: More often you're going to see the drive to the, to the rim, kind of throw it up over his shoulder, barely touch rim at the end of the shot clock that we saw there in the second half where we went, what are you doing? Yep. Why are we doing this? And then you're going to get the – Heave from twenty three feet at the top of the key, and then the the kind of fade away from the right elbow, which admittedly looked fantastic. The spin move into the to, into the right elbow jumper—it looked great in slow motion and and on replay. It, it, at the moment, I was like, "What are you doing, dude?" It ended up looking a lot better uh, second time around, but but still, it's the, again, it's and, not and like, setting him up for success.
0: And and I got it. Like I said, you got to tip your hat to him because he did make plays today. I don't think they win that game without him making plays down the stretch. But had those not gone in, we're having an entirely different conversation right now about this basketball team. So him making those shots, to me, doesn't change anything about what I think Kentucky needs to do late in games and late in clock. Yeah. It's not like now that he's did that or done that that I'm going to say, okay, let's run everything through Savir late. Yeah. Like, that, no, like, even if he does it the next game, I'm still not going to say let's run everything through Xavier late because I just don't think that that's setting them up. I don't think it's setting him up. But the biggest thing today is they got a win. He made plays. Now you figure it out to where you don't have to, don't have to put dudes in situations where they're not going to thrive and succeed long term. He bailed them out today a couple of times. Now, he did make mistakes, but I don't care. He still bailed them out with some big shots
1: also hitting a big shot casein Wallace I love his quote after the game it was just he basically said it just came down to coaching and that he would have been a selfish teammate had he not done that Sean uh I guess they've been practicing inside out threes and practice. Uh, you know, if if a big gets it out to you for, on, onto the perimeter uh, out of a double team or whatever so Jacob Toppin sailed it to the top of the key to Savir and Savir kicked it to the left wing uh, for Kaysen uh, from 22-ish feet at uh, the left wing uh, with 111 to go, knocked it down uh, his quote afterwards said uh, we've been stressing inside out threes in practice, we get to the paint, kick it out and you've got to shoot it if you're open. It was one of those moments where was inside out and I had to shoot it because if I don't I would have been a selfish teammate so I shot it and it went in that dude is he's he is as even keeled that that's what I love about him he is doesn't have too many highs too many lows he stays as level-headed as you possibly can and and those are the guys that you want taking big shots at, at the end of the yeah. games because the, the moment's not too big for him although it is very strange to me how at the free throw line, that changes. But in the game, like when the when the whistle is blown and, and the and the game is live, the dude is cold blooded. He has ice in his uh, ice in his veins. But then, whatever, yeah. for whatever reason, at the free throw line, it, it completely changes.
0: Yeah, and and that's got to change. It, it's and not yes. just for him, but you know for Wheeler as well. Like it's it's got those guys got to be able to hit free throws late. I know CJ missed one. Uh, They're the front end of a one on one. I think in the first half, like Kentucky's backcourt has to make free throws especially if those two are going to play the amount of minutes and the number of minutes that they're playing. So I think we saw today that when it comes down to close games, it's going to be Wheeler, it's going to be Wallace, and they're going to play north of 32, 33 minutes every time it's a close game. Like Today, to me, kind of felt like one of those second-round NCAA tournament games mm-hmm. where you're, you're having to grind one out late against a team that I do think you're more talented than. But the other teams playing well, maybe you're not playing your best. And it's kind of one of those wins that you gotta that the national championship teams kind of survive and, and advanced on. That that's what today felt like to me. I don't know if that's I don't know if you got that same vibe or not, but it kind of was the it, it was to me, it was the first time I really truly felt like it's basketball season with Kentucky because the other games it was kind of oh, like we gotta talk about this or this went wrong. But today Some things went wrong, but some things went right. Guys stepped up and made plays. You saw guys emerge. Uh, I do want to talk as we go through here about uh, Ugana Kingsley or Onyenso. I I think that his role, to me, should be established and submitted now as the guy behind Oscar.
1: And Cal actually said that tonight. For the first time, he picked one or the other over Lance Ware. He said he's the guy. And I think that is substantial for this team. And, again, Lance Ware lays his role – to perfection I love what he brings to the table he's the enforcer you know enforcer role he's gonna give you the tough plays and and get, grab you a tough rebound maybe make a nice uh pass here or there like I mean he he'll get you a stop he, I mean he, he plays his part very very well but his ceiling is so much lower than what Ugo's is yeah. because of the shot blocking that he provides and and uh, we saw that. I mean, he swatted that one. I mean, just ricocheted off the backboard and th- that that was kind of you know, one of those game changing type plays. He had another block., uh, he had the cleanup when Kentucky just couldn't get a bucket to fall. Uh, had like three or four offensive rebounds in a row. He got the cleanup bu- bucket to fall, hit those two big free throws. and Cal, uh, something that really caught my eye was Cal uh, at at the score at the uh, scores uh, scores sc- table. Uh, clapping him on and cheering him and kind of waving him on, like yes, Uga, that's what we need from you. He hits both of those free throws back to back in an injury situation yeah. with Sa- when Saver went went down. Yeah. That's how you work your way on the floor. You make those, you you capitalize in those moments.
0: And it's a situation where Jawan Howard picked him to be the, mm-hmm. the free throw shooter, right? And yeah. I think that's why Cal was like, okay, you know, you just pretty much got dared to make these, yeah, and you made them. And I thought that that was a big momentum thing for him, a confidence-boosting thing. And and I know that – I mean, look, Dickinson went right at him, and that's a tough matchup for anyone in college basketball. And he got into Ugo's chest a couple of times and went through the, the shot blocker and made some plays at the rim. But, listen, that is a huge thing for a guy that is still trying to find his way in college basketball, just to get those minutes against that matchup in that moment that's not, you're not looking for him to be at his best right now. That's a huge thing that's going to step in, and build in January, February, and into the NCAA tournament. The one thing that I did disagree with late is I didn't understand why Cal went to Lance so late in the game.
1: Made no when he sense, had, when so he had I mean.
0: no moment, he had no flow, no rhythm at all in this game. And then you go to him in one of the most critical moments of the game. I, I just didn't. I didn't see the point in that, and well, other no than feel maybe
1: against Hunter Dickinson, who had been destroying the entire second half,
0: you go in and put him against the best player on the floor on it, that, on it, and, and that's and, yeah, and that's where I'm coming from. Like to me, that was a trust thing that he trusted Lance because of being knowing Lance for three years, coaching Lance for three years. But you, if you, if it's the trust thing, why didn't you go there the first half? Because you'd already seen that Hugo could hold his his thing or, you know, hold his ground there and at least make some plays and have his length. So I, I thought that, that was a that was probably the most questionable decision that I thought of late in the game, but it didn't cost him. Kentucky won the game. Not any not saying anything against Lance. I just don't think that like I'm talking about them putting Wheeler in situations. I don't think that put Lance in a situation to be successful. I mean, like you said, he had no feel of guarding that matchup whatsoever. And you put him in and he just gets destroyed
1: yeah uh, that was one that uh <laughs> I, def- I definitely shook my head quite a bit at i was like well i i maybe you live and you learn there's a reason that he only played two minutes and then oscar came right back in and that was the end of that but um yeah I, I, another guy i want to make sure that we uh, address uh, jacob top and i thought uh he did a lot of really good he actually won the stupid most important impactful player belt or whatever the the mm-hmm. new shtick thing that that Cal's going for with that um yeah he he won the belt after uh what i thought was a really really poor uh, person poor first half performance uh he scores two of the first four buckets i believe and then kind of disappears the rest of the way then uh gets his second foul with seven minutes to go and then just sits out the rest of of the half he comes back in uh, and absolutely nothing on the box score for like the first 10 minutes uh, of the half and then maybe eight minutes, nine minutes, something like that. Uh, And then he kind of goes on a little run on on his own where uh, he tries to kind of force that 17, 16-footer again over and over and over again. And that's kind of where my frustration started boiling up. It was like, all right, buddy, that's clearly not working. Why are you – I mean, you're going to shoot Kentucky out of this game. And then admittedly he made the fourth one. And then he uh, uh, caught a lob uh, on the left side, and then he had that kind of up and under finish, uh, I think, for the and one. And, yeah, I I thought he played really, really well, made some clutch free throws there at the very end of the game. But that's kind of what you expect out of him. He needs to be a guy that – Uh, You don't want him floating on the perimeter. You don't want him just jacking up mid-range jumpers just for the sake of doing it. That's not where he's at his best. He's at his best when he's attacking and using his size and his length and his athleticism to his advantage. Uh, it was kind of one of my biggest gripes after the Bellerman game. I just didn't think that they that that he used that until late, and he was like, "Oh, the guys I'm going up against are six five and I have no vertical. Why aren't I capitalizing on this?" And then he finally did for that brief stretch. I want to see that for a full game. I don't want to, you know, I, I want to see him hit those mid range shots and even take a three or two every once in a while in the 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 momentum of the game. But you don't need to isolate him and 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 create plays out of. Uh, you know, the high post, however they they set it up for him to, you know, st- set that up and have that be Kentucky's offense. That's just not what's, what puts him in the best position to succeed, and that, that's definitely not what puts, puts the team in the best position to succeed. Uh, we saw his best in the second half.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued by that position as we move throughout the rest of December and into league play because for a brief moment today – and I'm talking very brief. We saw Chris Livingston at the four;
1: like it was short, thirty seconds.
0: <laughs> it was short lived. And then you get you know, you know comments about it and stuff, and playing him at the four, and you're like, okay, is this something that we're going to see here in the next few games? Are we going to see more of Livingston at the four? You know, spelling top in there. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Uh, Chris played what seven minutes, I believe, today. Eight, uh, seven minutes. Yep. So, like, you're going to need that to go up when you get into league play, and then you're kind of trying to figure out where Kentucky's going at that spot behind Toppin. Is it Damian? Is it Chris? Is it – I mean, I I don't really know exactly what Kentucky's doing there at that spot. Is Damian
1: a four? Is it
0: (laughs) – There's so so many guys that I have question marks about right now, and I just – I don't know. And that's – I have the same question about that one. I I don't know about that. I don't know – with with what they're doing with Chris, is it does it need to be? I mean, I, I've, I've always felt like, you know you and I've always talked about it, small ball four with Chris Livingston. Yeah, and I just think that that's the transition that needs to be made in the coming weeks. Is don't stick him at the three, play him in that small ball four role because right now, whatever you're doing at the three, it's not doing any any good for anyone.
1: It's not setting up any shots for him. He's in that weird middle ground where he he. He, you you don't utilize either of his gifts. Like you 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 don't.
0: You're putting he, him in a spot to be a. He's a no
1: no man's land.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's it's not putting him in like you. To me, you stick him at the four, and you get him some matchups where I think he's going to be quicker than some guys he's going to play against, and I think he can get some opportunities and win some one on ones and do some things and kind of move around in different spots on the floor, but. Especially in transition and running the floor. Yeah. Uh, but but right now there's that those are and and I should I shouldn't say question marks. I think it's question mark. Is all of it's looped together. Who is Damien? What is Damien? What do they need from Damien? What is he what is his best role? What is Chris Livingston's best role? Is Jacob Toppin that much better than what Chris would be as the small ball for? I uh is that make like I'm I'm because I just don't know yet. Like, is at one point I thought Jacob Toppin was clear cut the best option, but right now I'm still. There's moments in games where he disappears, like you said. Now he did have a big second half and a big stretch there. I just think Kentucky, Kentucky has to get better at the four overall. And we talked about that being yeah. a kind of an upgrade going into this year. That we thought that that spot was going to collectively be deeper and better. To this point, it really hasn't been.
1: And what I'm concerned about is Chris Livingston losing his spirit with all of this, and you know, tuning out the city. You lose yourself within the game by playing in the game, but you also lose yourself by not playing in the game, and you 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 that you don't have that same engagement. You don't have the same, and that's where you go. You enter the game, the old Dante Allen, then you enter the game, and that's where the defensive miscues come from, and the misrotations, and the assignments, and kind of turn around and go, oh, where the hell did my man go? That's where you where you kind of lose that engagement. And, and that's just something that, that can't happen with Chris. You got to keep him in the loop, keep him engaged. And I understand Cal even, I mean, mentioned that specifically after the game said, yeah, that is something that I have to work toward and, and make sure he knows what his role is here. Uh Because right now, what like, you couldn't flat out tell me what is Chris Livingston on this team right now? You cannot tell me what his role is. You can't tell me what he provides to this team. Cal cool. says it's rebounding and and you know effort and things like that. But he had one one rebound today, two minute, two points, one of three shooting, uh, one foul, one turnover in seven minutes. I mean, that's not. Uh, he, no,
0: and and how about the two points coming off an inbounds play?
1: And it was beautiful. And and, 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 and did you notice there's put been different? The
0: there's been some different inbound situations and some looks to where they're they're trying some different things. And, and one there. I believe it was in the first half they ran some action and they got Savir the ball and he drove and ended up driving right into uh, Onienso. And I, I don't know exactly how that play was supposed to develop, but there was some screening going on. It looked like they were trying to get maybe a lob at the rim or something mm-hmm. uh, across screen or some action there. So it, it honestly, I got to give Cal some credit. I've A lot of the times they try to get the ball in and then they'll go right into some ball screen or some different action. Some of their half court stuff instead of actually trying to score in out of bounds situations. But I'm seeing some different stuff being ran in those situations now that I I think, one, it puts more on the scouting report. It makes the opposing Mm -hmm. team's job a lot more difficult. Whether you have to do anything, it takes preparation time away from other areas in these Mm -hmm. games. Just throw some stuff out there, whether you score off it or not. At least make them waste 15 to 20 minutes of practice time preparing for something else.
1: Yeah. Uh, throwing the arm up to Jacob Topp, whoever you're for is. I mean, it's been it that <laughs> has been the and, yeah. Since can, PJ can, Washington, since oh shoot, I mean, since even before that. But the PJ You go was, back to Terrence back, Jones.
0: Yeah. You go back to Terrence Jones, and I'm telling you, they've been running the same stuff for years. And no coach, I'm willing to bet no coach goes over inbounds under out of. Under the basket inbound situations against Kentucky. Nobody goes over it because you don't have to defend it.
1: I mean, there is nothing to defend outside of can, can we find somebody that can <laughs> have an outstretched arm further than whatever our power forward is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that, that just yeah, kind of, that was me.
0: a breath of fresh air. I really did.
1: It, it very much was. Um, how about Antonio Reeves kind of exploding in, in a name it's brand? A game. We, we've seen him go up against School of the Blind north institute tech of technology uh several times but we have not seen him score like this against meaningful competition uh very refreshing to see him go for 11 points hit three threes in the first half uh really kind of ignited things for the cats in the first half you know quite a bit finished four of nine shooting overall three for four from three four rebounds two assists Uh, he did have three turnovers that needs to get cleaned up but uh, in 26 minutes he Um, He definitely stepped up, still waiting to see C.J. Frederick do that. He had three uh, three points. His three touched every part of the rim before falling in. I I did like, though – that the bench exploded when that ball fell. He need CJ needs that confidence. He's in a little rut himself. He needs a confidence boost um, because you don't want to see him kind of you know phase out because he is such a valuable asset to this team. And I know you know there are some Kentucky fans droning on going, "Oh, oh, he was so overrated as a player coming in here. We shouldn't you know fool fool gold this like no that the, you know, he's a forty seven percent." career three-point shooter for a reason, Uh, he has a role in this team, and he's going to be a very, very, very valuable asset. We just got to see him start making shots and build that confidence back up. Uh, So I like that one fell for him, but it was not enough in 15 minutes play.
0: It wasn't, and that's another thing that I looked at today was the minutes and how those minutes played out. Reeves played, I think, 11 more minutes than he did. Did he get the 26 minutes? I'm not sure. I've, I've had it pulled up a second ago.
1: Reeves got 26.
0: 26 and CJ got 15 and then the other two guards played 37, 36 minutes. So you're starting to see a rotation breakdown and how some minutes are going. And the thing with Reeves and you mentioned that's a couple of games now, but that's the first big game where he's hit shots. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a step in the right direction. But you had the game a couple of weeks ago where he had the really good first half day before Thanksgiving against North Florida, and then didn't do anything in the second half. He had a really good first half today. He didn't do anything in the second half. I think he had one bucket. I think that has to be more consistent across 40 minutes than over 20 because there's going to be games in SEC play where they're going to need him to knock down some shots in the first half, but you're also going to need him to knock some shots down in the second half. And one of those two, you're hoping both of them, but one of those two, Reeves, CJ, I think they have to emerge and be Kentucky's shot guy. And the the guy that stretches you out and hits threes consistently and you can run some action for. And I think that's where I come back to CJ. I don't want CJ to be to be the guy that just kind of makes plays off of other guys. Mm -hmm. I want them to use his ability to hit the three to put teams in some bonds defensively, run him off some of that uh, floppy action along the baseline and at least put teams in a predicament to where there's some miscommunication can possibly happen. I mean, you're talking about a guy that you got to step three or four feet down onto the three-point line. You might get some slips for Oscar Sheboy at the rim. You you may get a switch and then get an advantage with Oscar in the post. Like, that's where I think that there needs to be a little bit of an adjustment. Let Oscar set some screens for these guys because if you want to switch it, you're getting a a big on a guard in the post. If not – you get hung up with one of the strongest guys in college basketball, probably one of the best screeners in college basketball, and you yep. get an open look. Like that would be, I think that would be one of the adjustments that I make. Uh, I still think that when you get late in games in SEC play, I think you're going to see a lot of middle ball screen with Cason Wallace and Oscar Shibwe, Mm-hmm. who I think is Kentucky's two best players. And I think that that's going to put teams in some situations to where uh, you, you could have some breakdowns defensively. And I thought Cason, honestly, you, we talk about the shot he hit late that it ultimately won the game. I think one of the most encouraging things that that I saw him do today was the first possession of the second half where it was late in the a shot player. clock. He yep. made the floater and made a big play that Kentucky needed to get started. I thought that was the biggest one to me because that was a play off the bounce in traffic, late in clock, going and getting your own.
1: He got some dog in him, man. He's, He's going to have
0: a triple-double for years over, too.
1: He, he said that too. He, he, uh, I think after the game that he got close, what was he, he? He had nine and eight in one of those games on top of 15 or whatever it was. And he said that. He said, He said, oh, uh, there's only been three in Kentucky history. I'm going to go get me one. And,
0: <laughs> and you know, too, and, and one thing that I want to see from him, and I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but I, I think that we've talked a lot about his defense, and I, I think it's great in spots, but I think he's still leaving a lot to be desired, especially when it comes to off the ball Mm -hmm. defense. I've seen him get lost a couple of times, Jack, and I I don't know if that is kind of just maybe losing attention to detail when it comes to the game. Freshman mistakes a little bit, but I I think he has potential to be just as good off the ball defender as he is on the ball. But I think that maybe that's a thing where in high school you can kind of get away with some poor technique. And, and things that he's he makes not, up
1: for with, with his recovery speed exactly. and, and those that he's those not levels.
0: able to get away with at this level of basketball. So I think that's an area defensively. If you turn on the tape and watch him and go back and watch a game or, or two, and I think that there are some breakdowns happening there, but his instincts and everything, he's going to be okay. And I think that, that that's an area going to get think better, about,
1: better. Isn't that just like just sick to think about that he's as effective as he is? on both ends right now and just to think he's eight games. Like it's so easy to kind of get carried away and go, Oh, he's your best player. You got to, you know, run this for him and things. And then just kind of take a step back and go, Oh, he's eight games into his college basketball career and still going to make dumb mistakes that all freshmen make. And we still have potentially as many as 32 more games with this kid. Like it's, it's just so fascinating how
0: he's got the, he's got the highest ceiling on this team.
1: Yeah.
0: From now till March.
1: And maybe the highest floor, which I think is the most.
0: Yes. And you know the other thing, the other thing, too, that I like about him, his demeanor doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Nothing affects him like his facial expressions, his body language. I don't see it change. Like I I don't. I see a guy that's not phased by. To me, he's not a guy that buys into the two to three really good plays in a row. And he's not a guy that falls victim to the two or three bad plays in a row. Those are the guys you want on the floor in the NCAA tournament. Those are the guys that don't crack. And I think Kentucky has one. And does he have to get better at some stuff? Absolutely. But we're eight games in. Today was a huge step in the right direction. I think a a, a confidence booster for him. And I think when you get into SEC play, I think Kentucky's going to have one of the better guards in college basketball that mixes and, mixes and does a lot of things well in a lot of different areas across the stat sheet.
1: Can't say I disagree. Let's get out of here with this head to head matchup, Oscar Sheboy and Hunter Dickinson. It's kind of one that everybody had uh, circled on their calendars, uh, you know, early in one of these early seasons matchups. Uh, Oscar finished with 13 and 14 um, and then uh, Hunter finished with 23 points, nine rebounds uh, and a couple of three blocks. So um I think counting stats definitely favored um, Hunter, and, and he definitely took things over in the second half. Had 15 points uh, there, but um, you know, I, I still thought Oscar was effective. I think he did a lot of good things. Um, found kind of the 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 holes that he could, and and tried to impact the game the way he could. In uh, those given, I liked his his baseline jump shot there in the second half. Um, but I, I don't know. It just feels like something is off with Oscar. And, and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on what you think of his play here through, seven, through eight games.
0: Something is definitely off, it feels like. And, I mean, look, his numbers last year were just unreal, right? I mean, you're talking just ridiculous numbers. And I think that we've said this a couple of times, that realistically you probably expected a dip. This year, I mean, we're still talking about a guy today that in 31 minutes goes for 13 points, 14 rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I mean, they're, they're, that's an all SEC performer. With those numbers, but we've also seen Oscar Chibwe go for 26 and 18 and 27 and 15 against some of the best teams in college basketball. And maybe some of it is the the time off there in October and still not maybe establishing a rhythm. I think that, too, you had a guy that hadn't fouled at all in the first half, and then he fouled back-to-back plays there late in the half that you go from having zero fouls to two fouls, and I think you then you get in a situation in the second half where you did have to sit him some because of another foul. I would have liked to have seen there with less than a minute to go when he got the first one that Cal just go ahead and play the last 45 without him and keep him at one. Yeah, That way you don't have the second foul, and then you can kind of just ride him the entire second half because he would have played – he probably won't even come out mm-hmm. in the second half. But he had to when he picked up the third and then ultimately picked up a fourth. But I don't know. I want to see I want to see when you get into league play. But I guess the thing that really stands out though is he's not had his normal numbers and his output. And I don't think the normal impact on the game that he had a year ago. And it's against teams that haven't played against him. Whereas yeah. league coaches have played against him and those scouting reports are going to, I think, honestly going to be tougher on him, Jack, because when you've got Rick Barnes, who's played three games against Oscar Chibwe, and you've got these other he coaches does, in the league, yeah. Eric, Mus- Eric Musselman, who've, who've done a lot of different things against not just Oscar Chibwe, but against Xavier Wheeler and, and things. I think that that's going to be a challenge for Cal and in this team is when you get into the familiar territory of league play and these coaches all know these guys and I mean, Xavier Wheeler has been in the league now four years. Like every coach is going to know what they have to do to shut down Xavier Wheeler and what to do to kind of neutralize Gostrochibwe to a level. And I think that's the term that I would use right now is he's not doing out of this world things like we saw a year ago, but he's still doing things very, very well. And it's still enough that it, it won out today. But that's why I think Kentucky's going to be okay, because I still think that that's inside there somewhere and it might not come out until January.
1: And, and, I and that's, think,
0: okay. Yeah. that's okay. That's okay.
1: Yeah, I, I, I looked at some of the advanced numbers that he had, and his usage is really high right now. Uh, and, you know, he's still incredibly efficient as a as an offensive rebounder, defensive rebounder, and, and those numbers are, are totally normal. Um, but it, there is something to be said about his usage, and I think that when the, when the other guys start to step up, when you see C.J. start finding his group, when you see, you know, Cason kind of, you know, finalize that status of, of him being kind of the go-to guy offensively. And even if, you know, even if it's Sabir or, or whoever it is, when those other options start to develop themselves, uh, I think Oscar is going to be more of that magnet inside, that offensive rebounding magnet for the cleanup buckets and easy opportunity for scores that he was last season, uh, rather than the go-to guy that you need him. Uh, you know, and it kind of just caught me off guard. It's kind of frustrating after the Champions Classic game um, when, sabir wheeler was asked he was like you know do you feel like you're being relied on that oscar's being relied on too heavily right now uh, and he kind of got snippy with kyle tucker and was like well he's the national player of the year like what's he supposed to be like of course we're going to rely on him heavily and it's like well no we're not saying are you relying on him heavily we're saying are, are, are you exclusively relying on him like do you do you feel comfortable going to anybody else right now and you know Sabir was kind of like well you know, we don't need to because he's Oscar, like it just kind of got short with him, And I just don't like that mentality right now. I do think that they need to, you know, figure that out and, and just kind of find themselves as basketball players before, uh, you know, gonna, going all in on Oscar and, and, and relying on him to kind of save the day every single time. So it is refreshing to have case and Wallace save the day to have Jacob Toppin emerge in the second half, the way he did to have Antonio explode in the first half, those type of things. You need those type of storylines. You need those type of momentum builders going into the year and then let Oscar kind of find himself uh, within the game. And I think that's going to be Kentucky uh, at its best by the end of the season.
0: I do too. And and I think that a year ago, this team, they peaked in late January, early February, after they beat Kansas and beat Alabama. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's the one thing I'll say about this. Like They're struggling. They're not struggling mightily. I know they hadn't won the two key games. They're not playing their best basketball. We saw them really hit their stride late December. Jack, this may sound crazy. I'm okay if they don't hit their stride till late January. Yeah. As long as they find ways to win games, I think if you're a Kentucky fan, I don't think you want to, this team to look good right now because it has veterans. It's older. And the thing about veteran teams is they kind of peak and then it gets here and then you're like, okay, can you get to another level? The difference this year is I think they got a guy in Kaysen that can go this way. If they can find whatever that role is for Chris, I think that you got another guy. But look at North Carolina right now. Everybody thought North Carolina was just going to be penciled in to be a national champion in a a Final Four team and they're struggling to to win basketball games. And you're talking to teams – Four straight losses. Now you're talking about a team that should probably be out of the top 25 mm-hmm. before number, straight
1: number one to outside of the top twenty five in the span of In a weeks. week. Yeah, week, week yeah, from a
0: Thanksgiving till now. So things could absolutely be worse. The sky's falling in Chapel Hill right now. Mm. It's not falling in Lexington yet. And I, I think today was one of those things where it's it's not going to be enough to get fans like, all right, this is a national championship team but I think it was a step in the right direction for the first time that I think fans probably lay their head down tonight and say, okay, it feels like basketball season. And I think that that's a good thing. And the fact that Louisville can't win a basketball game and starting to wonder if they'll even win a basketball game.
1: Are you starting to feel bad for them? Cause I'm not, I, 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 no. know. I just, it's kind of one of those, they made that bed by building that roster and I, We we said it like we called that from day one. I'm like I I don't they they don't have a point guard on the roster outside of L Ellis and he's a selfish me first point guard score first point guard that that's a recipe for failure. Any team in college basketball doesn't matter rivalry, who's coaching that team. I mean it's (laughs) it just made no sense from the beginning. So put it one of those. It is what it is.
0: Let's put it how it is. They dodged that game last year. Can't dodge this one. And I know that they're the Music City Bowl and everything's going to be going going on at the exact same time. And I know that's unfortunate. This isn't the first time that we've had. Well, the first time we've had it the exact same time, but you and I in Starkville a couple years ago. I mean, this is a, kind of becoming a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day thing mm-hmm. here with Kentucky playing a basketball game the exact same time a football the football teams playing or a couple hours apart, but uh people are going to be invested in that game against louisville it's not going to be a marquee win if if kentucky gets it i mean you're talking about a team that's 204 205 and ken palm right now Mm -hmm. but it's still louisville and you still want to beat the crap out of them so it's it's one of those things that kentucky it'll be a feel-good day but it's not doing anything to your resume and uh now it's beat ucla add that to your resume Get some wins in league play, and then go all in on that trip to uh or that that game against Kansas at Rupp Arena. How about this too? We we haven't got to talk about this. The ACC-SEC challenge being to be fun. We're going to see you. You know this. I know people are thinking just because it's champions, the Kentucky Duke and stuff, or CBS Kentucky North Carolina. If Kentucky's playing Carolina and CBS, I'm willing to bet Kentucky's going to be playing Duke. In the ACC-SEC ACC Challenge, in the years Kentucky's playing Duke, they'll be playing Carolina. That is how it's going to be every single time. Then maybe we'll mix in Virginia here and there. That'd be fun. I'm looking forward it, to that. It will be, but it's going to be. But we're going to get Kentucky at Cameron Indoor, and Kentucky-Duke at Rupp Arena at some point, probably in the next couple of years. So you could have a schedule here in a couple of years that includes, if the cards and everything plays out right, you could have a North Carolina, a Duke, and a Gonzaga all on your schedule in the same year. That non-conference schedule starts to look a little better, right?
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I for one, am looking forward to that. Um, Sean, so let's get out of here. It's been a, a good show. Nice, nice little wrap up. I'm glad we got to get back to doing these post-game shows. We got to do it uh, for for all of them. I really had a lot of fun with this. So, um, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll we'll get back to doing it for the next one. Uh, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work?
0: Uh, you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry.
1: Find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim, KSR, reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jampack Source to Say podcast. We will see you then.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere.